Hello, this is Aniela from the Training and Education Department welcoming you to this episode of the Sarazen Podcast. We are here to provide you with opportunities to ground and grow. In this two-part episode, you will hear first from our volunteer and in-kind coordinator, Miriam, who will be interviewing several of our amazing volunteers. April 18th through 24th is National Volunteer Appreciation Week, and we are so excited to share their incredible work and insights with you. In the second part of this podcast, we will share some information for sexual assault awareness, as well as an upcoming event at Sarah's Inn later this month. Stay tuned, and thank you for joining us. Welcome back to Sarah's Inn Podcast. My name is Miriam, and I'm the volunteer and in-kind coordinator at Sarah's Inn. If you tuned in last month, you heard from myself and my team discuss Women's History Month and what it meant to each of us. This month, we are honoring our team of volunteers by celebrating Volunteer Recognition Month. Volunteers are an essential part of an agency. When we think about serving the community, we automatically think about clients, which is awesome, but we also need to remember the other community members that are impacted by the work of volunteers, and that is the staff at an agency. Last month, our volunteers worked the crisis line for 393 hours, and in the past two months, worked a total of 763 hours. As a non-for-profit agency, we need to match with our funders. By having volunteers, we're able to accomplish this, and without them, this would not have been possible. Volunteers are the best ambassadors and supporters of Sarah Zinn. To invest the amount of time that they do in the midst of their busy days without compensation takes true dedication to live by the mission of Sarah Zinn. I am honored to introduce you all to a few of our many incredible volunteers. Joining me today are our volunteers, Charlene, Jan, Jenny, and Sherry. Welcome, everyone. Before we start, could each of you share your names, how long you've been volunteering with us, and how did you hear about Sarah Zinn? My name is Charlene, and I've been, um, I will have been a volunteer with Sarah Zinn 30 years in October. And I first learned about Sarah Zinn when I found myself to be an empty nester and looking for something to do, and I saw Sarah Zinn written up in the newspaper. Hi, my name is Jenny, and I um, have only been a volunteer for just over a year. I started last year in March of 2020, and I've heard about it, heard a couple speakers um, from Sarah Zinn um, at a couple few events and through our schools, our local schools. Made me really interested in wanting to be a part of it. Hi, I'm Jan, and I've been a volunteer at Sarah Zinn since 2013, so I just celebrated my eighth anniversary. I joined after I retired from almost 40 years of high school teaching. And I have heard about Sarah Zinn since its inception in 1981. I've been very involved politically in many groups in the western suburbs, including Oak Park, now National Organization for Women, League of Women Voters, and the Democratic Party of Oak Park. And through many rallies and marches, um, no matter what the topic, there was always somebody there from Sarah Zinn. And I said to myself, when I retire, I am definitely going to go and get involved in this agency. Hi, my name is Sherry McIntosh, and I've been a volunteer with Sarah Zinn since 1992, so almost 30 years. I was looking for a place to volunteer, so I reached out to the United Way, and they actually gave me a list. At that time, I was living in the city of organizations that were in my area, and so I looked at Sarah Zan and I said, oh, I think that's where I want to volunteer. 
that's how I found out. In 2020, our lives were changed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Businesses and organizations were closed. Programs and services were being delivered differently than before. I'm sure that had an effect on the type of calls you all received. Could you share with our listeners, what were the crisis line calls during COVID? Have you noticed any differences with our calls during the pandemic? And Jan, I'm going to start with you. The difference that I found was was mainly value. Uh, I was used to being in the office. The office was closed. The crisis line was transferred to my home. And the amount of calls I received was pretty staggering. The types of calls, um, the women had to get away from their abusers. It was mostly women. Um, They had to get away from their abusers. They were home with them all the time. And I found a lot more calls coming from cars. Maybe they were parked outside on the street. Maybe they were a couple blocks away. Maybe they were driving. There was panic. Calls became more frantic and definitely more of them. Jenny, would you like to share um, some of your experiences during the pandemic? Sure. Um, Well, so I obviously, as I said before, I started um, right as the pandemic was unfolding. And, um, you know, so obviously I didn't know any different. However, however, you know, everything I had learned in training was turned upside down. You know, courts were closed. Shelters were not at full capacity. At that point, I think everything was just up in the air. So, you know, it was definitely intimidating to um, start at that time. I, when I think about, there was one situation that really stuck out to me, and that was um, a woman who um, needed shelter, a situation where she needed a place to go that night. People could no longer go to families, friends or families, because of the pandemic. And at that point, um, hotels were not taking people in as they did at the very beginning. Shelters were still at a lesser capacity. Seriously, there was not a single space available for this person. And it was really horrible. We spent hours on the phone, back and forth. I'm calling shelters all over the city. I'm getting information that there were seriously not any spaces available. I was calling domestic violence shelters, homeless shelters, anywhere that we could get her in. And in the whole city, surrounding areas, we could not get a space for her. It was really difficult and challenging. What made you all want to volunteer at a domestic violence agency? Sherry, would you be able to start off the conversation? Looking back, because this was 30 years ago, so now we are more progressive on how we view domestic violence, back then it wasn't. So it was hard to get across to, I was young at that time, believe it or not, younger people to that, younger women that it's not okay for you to be in a relationship, that domestic violence, abusive relationship. And not only, I think sometimes we only look at it as physical abuse, but there's also verbal. Volunteering with Sarah Zen would give me the information I need to share with some of the people that I came in contact with. Charlene, would you be able to share with us some of your experiences? Yeah, I just, I was going to say something else, but I really like what Sherry had to say, because I think we're both kind of in the same age group, and I got involved with Sarah because I had an empty nest, and I wanted to get back to my community, and I felt like this is something I could do because I was, I was trained as a special ed teacher where we learn about 
how to manage or how, how people behave and stuff. But I, it wasn't until I got into the training where I realized how critically important this was to help women make that transition to advocate for themselves and we're here to help you. And of course, Sarah's in is just an amazing uh, social service agency that um, really supports not only us as volunteers, but also the families that we serve. So before we finish off, can each of you share with our listeners out there why they should volunteer at Sarah Zinn? People who are listening, this organization, somebody said it earlier, is just amazing. The people who are on staff work very, very hard, but they need to be supplemented. Sometimes you're watching the news or reading about a story in the paper where a child is abused or a spouse is abused. You think, you shake your head, and you think about ways you could support her, maybe. You think about writing to your congressman about different laws. But this is a way to get back into service and actually help and to actually do something about a problem that you read about. And there's many, many different ways to volunteer at Sarah's Inn. Of course, the most common way is to answer the crisis line because it is 24-7. But there's other things that people can do fundraise, work with special events, um, and they don't always have to do the same thing all the time. So there's many, many ways to help, and I think it, it's better than just shaking your head and saying, that's a terrible problem. You could actually do something about it. I think that the training should be mandatory for every single person. <laughs> I think that, you know, it just opened your mind. You, I learned so much, and I mean, I think we all are in agreement that the training itself was amazing, and and I just think the organization, what it does for the community, what it does for to advocate for victims, for the schools, and for education, and we need it in our community. It's so important. And on on a personal side, I for me, I wanted to volunteer for a domestic violence organization, and I'm so fortunate that Sarah's in uh, was in my neighborhood because I just feel the victims feel so much shame and embarrassment when they are, you know, as victims of domestic violence. And I just wanted to help take away that stigma. I feel that that's, that's imperative. And so that is why I think that it's a fantastic place to volunteer and to give back to the community. I think if, if people in your family or friends have said to you that you're a good listener, that you're an empathic listener, if you're a patient listener, I think you should consider joining us here at Sarasville as a volunteer. The moment when the phone rings and you pick up that phone and you find yourself connecting with somebody who's really in distress or somebody who just really wants to talk and you've just stopped everything in your life to be there for that person, it's a very human experience and a gift to feel like you've been able, you've been trusted with that moment to be with somebody who was in crisis and you were able to give them the best of what you had. If you want community involvement, and I know that's popular now, this would be a great place where you can actually help women and children and help save lives and be a blessing to them. Thank you everyone for joining me today and sharing about your experiences as a volunteer at Sarah Zinn. We really appreciate it. That concludes today's discussion on volunteering at Sarah Zinn. If you are interested in joining our team, the best way to get involved is by emailing volunteering at sarazin.org, providing your contact information, and letting us know what opportunities you are interested in, or by visiting our website at sarazin.org, 
click the Get Involved tab and scroll down to Volunteer, where you will be able to learn more about volunteering opportunities that are available to you. Hello listeners, this is Aniela again, the Community Education Coordinator. You just heard from a few of our volunteers about their work at Sarazen. Now we will be switching gears to talk about another very important topic, sexual violence and how it can often intersect with domestic violence. April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, so we will be discussing this topic and also hosting an event at the end of the month. So stay tuned for details, which we will be sharing at the end of this episode. At Sarazen, our mission is to improve the lives of those individuals and families who are impacted by domestic violence. And this can sometimes include supporting those who may have also experienced different forms of sexual violence. Often, domestic and sexual violence can be treated as distinct issues and addressed by different organizations and different services. I would say that it's crucial that we recognize all the places where domestic and dating violence can overlap with sexual violence. All too often, conversations about domestic violence and vice versa about sexual violence exclude discussions about these, what we would call intersections, where sexual violence is occurring within an intimate partner relationship. Sexual violence can be defined as any unwanted sexual contact or coercion. Many of us, myself included, learned about sexual violence from talks with concerned parents or other adult relatives, and then also from my middle and high school health classes. And these typically one-sided and and rather ominous conversations usually focused on teaching us to be fearful of stranger danger and walking alone to our cars at night. What this education didn't include for most of us is the jarring reality that most sexual violence is perpetrated by someone that the victim already knows. So it could be an acquaintance, a classmate, a co-worker, a relative, a friend, or a past or current intimate partner. When sexual violence takes place within an existing relationship, it can sometimes look different from our typical ideas of what sexual assault is. Sexual coercion, for example, can look like a partner badgering their significant other over and over again until they give in, or guilting or shaming their partner if they do not want to engage in sexual contact. It can look like repeatedly pushing their partner's boundaries and not respecting the pace or the kinds of activities that their partner is comfortable with when it comes to sex. It can look like a partner making degrading comments about their partner's body, their sexual desires and expression, or their sexual orientation. It can also be blackmailing their partner, that they will share explicit photos or private information about their partner's orientation or sex life with family, friends, or on the internet. And it can also be a partner accusing their significant other of cheating and then demanding that their partner prove how committed they are by having sex with them. And while sexual violence and coercion are not a part of every abusive relationship, other forms of violence that the victim may be experiencing from their partner, such as emotional abuse, hurtful or derogatory comments towards them, manipulation, violation of their boundaries, threats, isolation, and when applicable, physical violence, these things can complicate consent. It can sometimes make it difficult for the victim to feel truly that consent has taken place. Even when a past threat or incident of physical abuse occurred completely apart and seemingly unrelated to a sexual interaction, the resulting fear and imbalance of power that the survivor may feel can make 
saying no or doing things like communicating their desires, their needs, and boundaries, extremely challenging and sometimes even dangerous. A tool that we use over and over again in our work to support survivors of domestic violence and to educate others about it is called the power and control wheel. A quick Google search or on your search engine of choice will yield an image of a wheel with the words power and control at the center surrounded by eight wedges and each of those describe a different form of abuse. Intimidation, emotional abuse, isolation, denying responsibility, using children, using privilege, economic abuse, coercion and threats. And then outlining the outermost part of this wheel are the words physical and sexual violence. The looming presence of these words encircling the power and control wheel reminds us that sexual trauma may be a part of many of our clients' experiences, though unfortunately it remains one of the more difficult ones for many survivors to talk about. By fostering more open conversations about sexual violence within dating and domestic relationships, we hope to normalize that it is crucial for us to talk about and educate about these topics. And we hope to let folks know that there are places and persons with whom they can feel safe to talk about their own experiences. We also want to be clear that we must support all survivors of sexual violence and coercion, no matter what form the violence took or who the perpetrator was. If you or someone you know has experienced any form of sexual violence, we want you to know that you are not alone and that there are people who are here to listen and support. If you have any questions about the information discussed in this podcast, you can call the Sarazen 24-hour hotline at 708-386-4225 to speak with an advocate. You can also call the National Sexual Assault Telephone Hotline at 800 656 4673. Don't forget to check out our past podcasts on sarahzintv.org. Episode 7 explores the topic of consent, what it is, how it looks, and why it's important. We hope that you'll join us next time and then stick around because we'll be sharing information about an upcoming event for Sexual Assault Awareness Month on April 28th. We all wear denim and we all have a role to play in ending sexual violence and supporting folks who have experienced sexual trauma. Have you heard of Denim Day? It is a day of solidarity with and activism for survivors of sexual violence that was first organized in response to a sexual assault case and rape conviction that was overturned in Italy in the 1990s. The court assumed that the victim had given consent simply because of what she was wearing, skinny denim jeans. We will observe Denim Day at Sarah Zen this year by wearing denim and facilitating conversation about how we can support survivors in our lives and in our communities. Join our prevention and training and education teams on Denim Day, Wednesday, April 28th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. for a virtual discussion about sexual abuse and how it can look in a variety of relationships, from dating and teen relationships to long-term adult partnerships and for individuals who are LGBTQIA and members of diverse communities. We will talk about consent, discuss real-life examples from the media, and then put our knowledge into practice by identifying tangible ways that each of us can believe, support, and provide referrals to those who may share with us that they have experienced sexual violence. All are welcome. Information on how to register will be available on our social media and on our website at sarazen.org. Be sure to pre-register, sport your favorite denim, and click to join us on April 28th for this important conversation. 